Um, so yeah, Nathan has asked me to speak again um, today uh, as we follow through um, the words of Jesus. We're focusing on a series right now on what Jesus says. Um, if we look back in the first couple of weeks, Nathan um, gave us a couple of Jesus' instructions or commandments um, about what Jesus says to us. He said we need to love our enemies, we need to serve others, and they focused on what that means for us um, whether serving in our community, serving at our church, or serving our friends and families. And then um, last week, I caught it up on the podcast, actually, because I wasn't able to be here, but Barry spoke, I thought, so beautifully about what Jesus says, that take heart, I have overcome the world. And what a timely reminder that is right now. I don't know about you, but the world seems to be getting pretty big at the moment. If it's not pandemic, it's not war, it's our, or your own sort of issues, um, so a reminder that Jesus has defeated death, that he's overcome any obstacles in our life was timely, and I'm so thankful for Barry for that. And so I'm going to let you know about something that Jesus says today, but first I want to talk about an interview that the Babylon Bee did. Now I'm not sure if many of you know the Babylon Bee, you probably have better things to do than read a website that makes up fake articles, right? They focus on satire as a humour form. So you see these headlines which twist the truth a little bit or exaggerate the truth for an idea of humour. Now, some people find this satire humour funny. Me, myself, I find like most of it hilarious. But it may not be for everyone. But that's not what I'm going to focus on today, not one of their headlines. But they actually sat down with Elon Musk and did a 10-question interview. I don't know why the richest man in the world would want to sit down with a satire website, but he did, and nevertheless, he answered these 10 questions. Now, the first nine, I must admit, I haven't even listened to, but I heard the last question they asked him, and it really sparked my interest. They asked him in their, I guess it was sort of a mocking way of evangelicals' call for followers. They said, can you do us a favour? Can you join our church? All you need to do is say a quick prayer and accept Jesus into your life. And Elon's response, I thought, was very, very interesting. He said, and coming across it was a bit sheepish, he didn't really know how to respond, or I guess that's the way he may talk anyway. But he said, I agree with the principles that Jesus advocated. There's some great wisdom in the teachings of Jesus, and I agree with those Jesus. He focused out some of the important rules about forgiveness and what he called the golden rule. He said, things like turn the other cheek are very important, as opposed to an eye for an eye, as for an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. Musk continued, he said, forgiveness is important and treating people as you would wish to be treated, such as love thy neighbour as yourself. These are things that I agree with. And he finished off with saying, but hey, look, if Jesus is saving people, I mean, why would I stand in his way? Sure, I'll be saved. Why not? Elon's response was quite interesting. It's not the response I would give, but I think it's a response that is very common in the world today. And it's also something that is creeping into our church. Not necessarily our church here, but our church, the idea of the church globally. The idea that Jesus was a moral teacher. He walked the earth 2,000 years ago and gave us some guidance that we may share, that we may live by if we agree with it ourselves. So I wonder, the past few weeks, when we're going over what Jesus says, how are you taking on his words? Are you like Elon? Are you thinking, oh, 
yeah, these are some principles. I agree with the idea of loving my enemies. I guess that can make the world a better place, so I might do that too. Um, Or are you taking this on as something a little bit deeper than just some moral teacher that was here 2,000 years ago? Today I want to focus on two words that Jesus said. Jesus says, I am. Now those statements may not mean a lot to you right now, but hopefully by the end you'll understand the claim that Jesus makes through just those two words. And these are two of the most powerful words that I believe Jesus says. He first says it in John 8 when he's having an argument with the Pharisees. And as soon as he says, I am, they pick up rocks to try and stone him. They plan to kill him. Then again, in John 18, Jesus uses these words, I am. When Judas has come to arrest him, to take Jesus to his death, he comes with soldiers armed with spears and weapons to arrest Jesus. And they ask, where is Jesus of Nazareth? Who is he? And Jesus stands there and says, I am he. And those words have so much power that people that have weapons in their hand to arrest Jesus are taking a step back and fall down to the ground. These are not just any ordinary words. So if we look back at John 8, when Jesus makes these remarks to the Pharisees, if you can put that on the screen, Mark, we'll go from John 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The son does not remain in the slave, sorry, does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because of my words finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. So that's half of what I want to talk about today, but I could stop right there and say, and finish up with Jesus says, who the son sets free is free indeed. And we actually spoke a lot about it in prayer But who needs that reminder today that you walk in freedom today? Not because of anything that you've done, not because of anything that you will, but because the Son sets you free, because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Now, I'm not sure about you. You may not know the song, but there was a song that came out a few years ago, and the chorus was as simple as, Who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And when that song came out, I had heard those words before, but it was... It made me aware how much I needed to be reminded of that freedom that I live. Each and every day for the first couple of weeks that I heard that song, I would listen to that song every morning, so I would step out in freedom each and every day. No matter of my sin, no matter of my faults, no matter of my pride that gets in the way, I was able to live in freedom because of what Jesus has done for me. So does anyone else need that reminder today? Because I tell you what, when you walk from a place of freedom... When your life is in a position of grace rather than to gain freedom or gain grace, the burden is gone, right? You can live in joy because it is not your own doing that makes you free because of what Jesus has done today. 
so let me remind you that you are living in freedom right now, not because of you, but because of who Jesus is. So we'll continue back to this conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees. We'll skip a little bit ahead because it's long enough as it is. But Mark, if we can get those next verses up. Thank you. Um, The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honour my father and you dishonour me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out to the table. Now look, I read that quite plainly because that's sort of how I speak, but I imagine this is actually a lot more intense than the way that I read it, right? They're throwing insults back at him. Like, these Pharisees are saying there's a demon inside of Jesus, and Jesus is going back and like, you don't know what you're talking about because this God that you say you worship, you don't even know him because you don't recognise him in me. And then finally, after all these, this back and forth, we, we skip the part where Jesus basically says, you, well, he says, he doesn't basically say, he says, you guys are sons of the devil. Like, you don't follow God. You are sons of the devil himself. He is your father. But it is the two words that Jesus says here, I am, that causes these Pharisees to pick up stones and throw at him. And I presume that is to kill him. Now, I'm not sure. Some of you may be argumentative people. Some of you may not. But I have found myself in plenty of arguments in my lifetime. In fact, one of my closest friendships, Tills, some of you may know him, we basically built a relationship on arguing about things. We would catch up one day over dinner and as soon as someone said something, we'd just be disagreeable and say, no, that's not the truth. And we'd go back and forth about arguing for things, I guess just for the fun of arguing. We both liked it and it would happen all the time. There was one time um, at a car park in Norwood, we'd just seen a movie and we wanted to argue about the movie. Um, Tills thought the movie was bad. He thought it was a bad plot. Um, and I wanted to argue against him. But I also thought the movie was bad. <laughs> but what we argued about was Tills thought the movie was bad because of one particular thing. And I was saying, no, 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 the movie's bad because of this other thing. And Nick, how long were we there? 
yeah, at least 40 minutes of back and forth. In the end, we agreed with each other, but we just had to argue about this tiny detail. And no matter what was said, um, and sometimes it would get personal for no reason, other than we were just 20-year-old jerks, but no point in that argument did one of us look at the rocks in the Norwood car park, pick him up, and go to throw them at each other. So what Jesus has said here is beyond any argument that I've ever had. He's truly triggered the Pharisees, and it's getting quite heated. I believe John makes it quite clear that it is the two words that lead to this cause. Now, I may say Jesus says I am, and I'm sure some of you here may know exactly what that means. But for those of you that don't, it starts all the way back to the creation story. These Pharisees are saying they're sons of Abraham. And now Abraham used to be called Abram, and he walked with God, right? After the Garden of Eden, when man um, sinned and was separated from their walking relationship with God, God found Abram. And they walked out, they spaced out all this area and grew up in a relationship until God made a covenant with Abram. And Abram became Abraham. Now, this covenant um, included both a lot of circumcision but it also included the promise that God would make Abraham's descendants great, that he would make them into a mighty nation. Then generations pass, and then a descendant of Abraham, Jacob, he has 12 sons. One of them you may be very familiar with, Joseph, because of his technicolor dream coat, but he was sold into slavery by his brothers because of the jealousy they had that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of them. And then Joseph went to Egypt as a slave and it got from bad to worse for him as he was thrown into prison. Joseph found his way out of prison by interpreting dreams of the Pharaoh at the time, warning him of a famine to come. And because of this interpretation, Joseph went from prison to the second-hand man of the Pharaoh. Then the famine happens in Egypt and Joseph's brothers and family gets hungry. So they have to come to Joseph to be saved. They have to get him to him to have food. And that causes a, re, a reunion between Joseph and his family. Remember, this family being direct descendants of Abraham. So Jacob takes all his family and they live it out in Egypt. Abraham's descendants living in Egypt. From then, the Hebrews grow in stature and they become a mighty nation. Joseph dies, Pharaoh dies, and down the chain, the Pharaoh at the time forgot all the good things that Joseph did for Egypt, and he became scared of this Hebrew nation that was growing. He ordered them to be made slaves, and also that every firstborn from the Hebrew um, nation would be killed. Every firstborn male would be killed so they would not get too strong and overthrow the Egyptians. Now, then there was one smart mother who bore birth to Moses, who obviously didn't want her firstborn killed, and she took him down to a river and set him off his way. And Moses was picked up by the family belonging to Pharaoh at the time, and he was raised as a prince of Egypt. Eventually, he had to leave Egypt, he had to flee because of a murder that he did, and he found a new life, filled in flocks. Um, he found a wife, and he became a shepherd. Now, one day, Moses was looking after his sheep and he saw a bush, a bush that was on fire, but the bush did not 
um, flame up or whatever it's called. It did not disintegrate or whatever it is. I had that word before, but I've forgotten it. But yeah, the, the fire just continued. And so he approached it. He was curious. And the fire spoke, calling him Moses. And then the fire, speaking to Moses, said, I hear the cries of my people. Now who could claim the Israelites as my people, but only the God that had originally made the covenant with Abraham. So, bit of back and forth between God speaking through this bush and Moses, and eventually God convinces Moses to go back into Egypt to let his people go. But Moses says, I need to be able to name you something. What do I call you? How do I make these people know that it's not me that comes, but I come for someone else? What can I call you? And the burning bush said, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. Now I hope that rings some bells, but the story continues of Moses goes back and after a bit of carry on and 10 plagues, the Israelites are eventually freed from the Egyptians and they go out into the wilderness and I am is with them this whole time. He guides them with a cloud by day and a fiery pillar of light by night. And he feeds them, manna drops from heaven, so that when they're in the wilderness, they are fed. And the story of the Old Testament, there's so much more involved, but in summary, the Israelites will follow this God, I am, for a little while, and then they would forget about him, then they would be driven into slavery, then they'd be rescued again by God and go into slavery again. And that happens for generations, for years and years and years, until we get to this point in John 8. When Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, now the Pharisees thought they were faithfully following God. They thought they would follow all the rules that were given to their people in the wilderness and that I am would deliver them once again if their actions, if the Pharisees' actions made the Israelites a holy nation once again. So they've been working for generations on this. They commit their whole life to following these rules And a 30-year-old man named Jesus is standing in front of him and saying that I am. I am the God that was with you, that started creation. I am the God that made a covenant with Abraham. I am the God that rescued you from Egypt. And I am that God that you believe you are serving now, but you are not. So when Jesus makes this statement, when Jesus says, I am, the Pharisees have a choice. They can choose to believe him, to listen to his words and take it on and follow him like they are following all the rules of God at the time. Or they have the choice which they chose to claim that this man was a demon himself and to stone him for the heresy that he committed, calling himself the divine God. Now this may be a story that happened 2,000 years ago. We may not follow the same rules or be under the same control. We may not, we do not identify as the Israelite people following this God, but I think we have the same choice again today as the Pharisees have. When we hear the words of Jesus, how are we going to respond? Are we going to be like Elon Musk? Are we going to Accept the principles that Jesus says just based on what we believe ourselves. If it aligns with 
our thinking, our thoughts already? Or are we going to believe all of what Jesus says, which includes love your neighbour, which includes love your enemy, forgive others, but also includes him saying, I am. It also includes Jesus' claim that he is God. Now, I think it may be irrelevant to you. Some of you may already know, I know that Jesus is God in my life. But that may be something new to you. But I think it is a dangerous thing that is happening in the world, but also in part of the church, in believers as well. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. I'm trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. See, my point today is that we need to take Jesus' words on as seriously as we can because of what the source is that it's saying them. They're not mere moral teachings, but they are words from God. Words from God that plan to give you life and life to the fullest. And words from God that were made in, um, for what we were made for. What we were made to follow in life so that we can have our best life. And I also think when we believe everything Jesus says, when we take on his divine divinity, when we believe when Jesus says, I am, that he truly is God, it also, that acknowledgement also gives us the knowledge that he wasn't just a man 2,000 years ago, but he was God at the beginning. He came down to earth as a man, but he is still God living right now. Still a God that is living and wants to have a relationship with us. You see, Jesus doesn't just use I am twice to brag about his divinity or to let people know that he is God to become powerful. Paul the Apostle says, Paul the Apostle says though he was God, he did not th- think equality with God was something to cling to. It wasn't a brag from Jesus, but a direct cry that he is the God to fill our every need. The I am statements of Jesus is Jesus using the words I am again and again, seven times in fact in the Gospel of John, reminding us it's a direct cry to our souls that Jesus is here to fulfill our every need. Now I want to respond today by spending some time meditating on these I am statements of Jesus and what that means for us today. Because Jesus is here to fulfill our every need. For those who are hungry, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. For those that are lonely, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. For those that are excluded, Jesus says, I am the door. For those that lack good fruit, Jesus says, I am the true vine. For those living in darkness, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. For those who have lost their way, find no purpose in life, 
Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for those that think life is over, they're spiritually dead, their relationships are dead, and they have no hope, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. So right now, as Dan plays some music, um, I encourage you to reflect on a multitude of things. But firstly, just the idea that Jesus is I am. Jesus is who He says He is, and He is God. And that may not ring true to you. You may not understand that yet. So during this time, I, I ask you to ask Jesus to reveal Himself. Apostle Paul again says that Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. It's not even something we have to do ourselves. We can just ask Him to reveal Himself and He will. And once we establish that Jesus is God, let's remember that He is God today. He is God right now and He is willing to fill your every need. If you're hungry right now, just meditate on God's words and ask for His bread of life. If you're lonely, Ask for God to be the good shepherd. If you are excluded, ask Jesus for access through his door. If you are producing bad fruit in your life, ask Jesus to connect you to the true vine that will produce good fruit. If you find yourself living in darkness right now, ask Jesus to reveal himself as light of the world. If you are lost, if you've don't have any purpose anymore, if you don't know which way to turn, ask Jesus to fill you with His way, His truth and His life. And if you find yourself dead right now, if you think there's no hope, ask God to resurrect you for He is the resurrection and the life. I might just pray and then we just sit on that for a bit, reflect on those words. Mark will put them up on the screen so you don't have to remember them all, but ask God to reveal, maybe you need God to reveal what emptiness you have in your life. Or maybe it's very clear to you right now, but let's just enter into a bit of time asking God to fill those needs that we have in our life. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are not a distant God, but you are a God that is with us right now. I just pray right now for anyone that is lacking, anyone that is hungry, anyone in darkness, anyone that has given up hope that you will just reveal to them right now who you are, light of the world, bread of life, access to the Father and the resurrection and the life. Dear Lord Jesus, please come right now. Speak to us.